And welcome in, everybody. This is Coast to Coast Football. Uh, it will be Coast to Coast because I'm in Atlanta. My co-host, Nick Kendall, is in Seattle. So we let him give him just a minute to make his coffee. He'll be joining us shortly. But what we want to talk about today is uh, <clears throat> Dane Brugler's of the athletics, his uh, second, I guess, mock draft. He went through two rounds. We won't hit all the rounds, of course, but we want to hit some of the big storylines, including the big trades, uh, some of the surprises, some of the things that we've said before that we agree with, don't agree with, uh, some interesting perspective, uh, some of the more intriguing teams, that type of stuff. And it's Wednesday, so we'll go at least an hour today. I think we went almost 80 minutes last Wednesday, for goodness sakes, just going through the top 10 and having some fun doing it. So, I uh, want to say welcome in to everybody. Hit that subscribe, like, and share as you come in. It helps us reach out to more people on the internet and find more draft picks and fans just like you. So speak of the devil and he shall appear. Uh, just hitting his lights. I want to say uh, good morning to Nick Kendall. Like I said, he's in Seattle. I'm in Atlanta. So we are coast to coast football this morning. Um, and Nick, how are you this morning? I am doing well. It's uh, 6 a.m. I woke up a little bit later today, and uh, it gets we sleep upstairs, and it gets so hot up there. Uh, so mm. when I come downstairs, it is freezing. We have the house set to like 61 <laughs> at night, and I uh, tried to kick it for a little bit, but because of where the heater is uh, right behind me here, it's off. So I'm bundled up. I got my blanket on. I'm uh, cold. It's a cold, rainy morning in Seattle, but uh, hopefully this uh, warm coffee from uh, Lion Coffee Company will warm me up here. I'm uh, getting excited. Also heading to Hawaii in less than a month and Pat Patrick's going to hook me up with a CNA roastery there or whatever on the Kona side. So cool. excited. Yeah. Really excited. Yeah. <clears throat> they took uh when I went out to California, they, they took me on the, the wine tour. I'm, I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> you want to talk about miserable. Let's celebrate drinking wine. I like at the, by the end of the day, I was like just exhausted. I'm like, I'm just laying down on a bench, just mentally, completely beaten down let's celebrate this as all those voices in your head are screaming at you now drinking coffee uh yeah we can do that one for sure so uh, that one wasn't that one wasn't so so much fun oh what a great day let's go see a winery yeah sure let's go hit the crack den afterwards <laughs> um on that note you <clears throat> dane brugler to me is one of the newer names <clears throat> in the draft excuse me you know, you go back to the old heads of like Mel Kuyper, you know, who's been doing it forever. I think Dane Brugler, he's probably been doing it a decade at least. But, you know, mm -hmm. to me, that makes him the new guy. Um, you, you've you kind of been singing his praises to me since you and I started working the other two hours. And I, I agree with you that there isn't anybody out there that puts in more work than this guy. Um, the work that he does for the athletic. Now, is it perfect? No. If you are in the business of prognosticating and making predictions, you're going to miss the only way to not ever miss is to not put yourself out there and guess. So we're, if you're putting forth the work and, and, and you can back it up, you've got my respect. Dane Brugler's got my respect for sure. Not that it matters much to him. Yeah, Dane, good guy as well, um, which goes a long way in my book. Um, always, you know, open book and he'll tell you what he can and talk with him. We talk a few bit of a Iowa Hawkeye prospects. I got wind that uh, my guy at Iowa, Lucas Van Ness, was declaring. So I gave him a heads up because he's been on the Lucas Van Ness trade a train since November. Like, Hey, I'm like, heads up. It's coming around the corner here. Uh, we got Lucas Van Ness is going to declare. He's like, okay, I'll keep an ear out for it. Thanks for the heads up. So uh, good, good guy, Dane and appreciate him over the athletic. And I wrote an article about the Broncos pick. Uh, that'll be released sometime today uh, by boss man, Chad. And 
he puts in the this piece that's called the beast. And mm-hmm. it's I kid you not, this sounds like hyperbole, but it's like a thousand prospects uh, that he goes through and he doesn't write about like he gets like, let's say, 30 players in a position down and then he'll list about another 20 after that with their specs without like the background report. But like you find out about the kids like hobbies and whatnot and like (laughs) their grade point average. I mean, he, I don't understand how he can uh, compile the information he does, but he does great work. Uh, Again, it's a mock draft too. I'm not going to agree with every single pick, but uh, he's, he's great. He was one of the first people last year on Trevon Walker um, being super high on um, the offensive lineman that went to the, the Panthers whose name's escaping me right now. The first offensive lineman. They taken. had Icky. Didn't they take Icky? Aquanu? Aquanu. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Icky Aquanu. So uh, he's, he's great. Uh, he's connected, but he also does his own work. So yeah. shout out to him. I, he, I think I first discovered him doing a radio segment. I found online, like with Lance Zerline, who's done mm-hmm. NFL.com profiles for a while. And son of a former offensive yeah, Speaking line of coach. Lance, we're going to bring up Lance Zerline today when we go through this draft as well. Um, okay. Cause he, he had some interesting things to say about the Colts and the quarterback position. Yep. So shout out to Dane. Um, I I was not the, I didn't, you know, totally. I'd be like, oh, this is the best mock ever. Everything that Dane says is great because I didn't love the Broncos pick. Um, but that's okay. It's a mock draft in January. <laughs> so it is what it is. Broncos aren't even had their pick because they're going to trade for Sean Payton, right? That's, that's yeah. No, like I said, put in the work and it, it makes sense. Now, now that this is open up, guys, we're live. If you're listening to us after the fact, the, uh, the podcast is starting to take off on mm-hmm. Apple pods and Spreaker and all of those places you can find. You can find those right now. Uh, we're going to rebrand this one. So I think this one's going to end up being Coast to Coast Football uh, Podcast. So we'll, we'll have an announcement on that. But right now, you can find all these podcasts that we've done at falconspodcast.com. Um, and if you're listening after the fact, we do this live every Monday morning and every Wednesday morning because we enjoy the interaction with fans like Joe Cannon. So we want to say good morning to some folks that are in here live with us this morning. Uh, Joe Cannon says, great morning, Scott Nick. Good morning to you as well. Luke comes and he says, for the life of me, I do not understand the draft. Looking forward to learning a thing or two. It's uh, Luke, I'm not sure where you're from or what your sport is, but if if you were to try and explain this to someone who followed international football for a living, you know, that's kind of what they did. They'd be like, wait, what? You, you, you just pick guys and you tell them where to go? That's weird. <laughs> that's very socialist. Um yeah, it, it is. The the whole thing of it, you know, rewarding teams to lose, all that kind of stuff. It's it's strange. And then the the players, the evaluations, the positional values, all that type of thing. We can get into that and feel free to ask questions. We we enjoy this kind of stuff. Mark Schrader coming in with a thumbs up and also with the support. Mark, appreciate mm-hmm. you coming in with a super chat, coming in yellow. I like to say that, you know, it helps uh keeps my forehead nice and shiny and uh keeps the lights on around here. So you know, your support is, like I said, is one of the reasons, a big reason that we're in here doing this. Now, wherever you're watching this on, on YouTube or Facebook, you can give Super Chats like Mark just did or or Facebook Stars. They're a great way to support Nick and I and help support the cause. Um, Falling Slots says, good morning, Nick and Scott. Excited to, excited to learn about these draft prospects. Me too. You know, it's for the most part, it's uh, I'm coming in a, kind of a blank slate. And then I build my knowledge base through the next couple of months. And, um, you know, I don't I don't pen myself a draft expert. I think I'm a pretty good talent evaluator. But to be an expert, I would have to have been doing this for the past year. I'm not there yet. Mm-hmm. Not anywhere close. So I don't call myself a draft expert. But I will. I, I'm a pretty good scout. And um, my scouting really starts beginning. At, they say the draft starts in Mobile. I'll be down there for three days and I'll, I'll, I'll film everything and I'll watch everything 10 times 
as I'm cutting up highlights on this channel and I'll have a pretty good idea of, of those guys for sure. And then, uh, learn a lot from, uh, doing these shows with Nick too, as well. So Brad D coming in says, good morning. Uh, good morning. All Michael Rankio joining us. Um, Jeremy says it's snowing here in Denver. <laughs> Why wouldn't it? Dominic Jaramillo coming in says, uh, good morning and dog nation and Roderick says it's snowing in Somerset, England too. Um, yeah. And it says it stops cause it doesn't really get that cold there. Um, and, and triple eight, Dr. Pepper joining us again. Welcome back. He says the guys over at PFF compared the last six drafts yesterday and their top guy, Mike Renner said, this is a fairly weak draft. He ranked it the second weakest of the last six. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, you know, they said that, and, and one last one real quick was, was good morning. Everyone was Chris Walker. So good morning. Joining us on Facebook. Uh, and Luke, yeah, I had a feeling Luke was a, an international football fan. Yeah. Um, it's been taken over, but if the NFL is a socialist model, international soccer is pure cutthroat capitalist. And uh, he says it's been corrupted by oil money. So, <laughs> yeah. And real quick, I want to get to 888 Dr. Pepper's uh, comment here from Mike Renner. Also does good work at PFF. Uh, appreciate what he does as well over there. But the uh, weakest draft, it's still, I think, a little bit early to say that definitively. But that's watching the talent um, from the guys that I've watched so far that are considered the top prospect. I think this year has more, no doubt, blue chip talent at the top. But the guys that are going to go from 5 to 20, I think is probably a lower tier uh, than last season and the last few seasons as well. So it's going to be really interesting to see due to that. And I don't think I'm alone in sharing that opinion. Uh, I think you're going to see the Bears really not be that super interested to trade out of the top three or four unless they get an absolute unbelievable mm -hmm. uh, package from a team because I think the drop-off after Jalen Carter and Will Anderson is unbelievably substantial uh, in mm -hmm. this class. And also, I believe because of that, you're going to see quarterbacks go off the board early, not because these quarterbacks aren't flawed. It's not the Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, uh, I guess Zach Wilson would have missed on that, but a great talented prospect. Uh, I guess not great, but a talented prospect. Uh, you're going to see quarterbacks go off early. And I think it's more of an indictment on the talent surrounding those quarterbacks at the top than it is the talent available. You don't have a Patrick Sertan in this class. Uh, you do have a couple elite defensive linemen, but there's not an offensive tackle that is a no-doubter. Uh, there's not a wide receiver that's a no-doubter. Uh, all those kind of positions. I think you're, oh, you are missing uh, in this class the depth of the defensive line edge. There are some good ones, but I think in a lot of classes, you'd have uh, Miles Murphy and Brian Brisset, you know, more in that early first half of the, like the pick eight through 16 versus being talked about in that five to 10 range. So we'll be interesting. It's early. Uh, we're going to get the measurements of these guys, but from what I've watched, it is a, not the most dynamic class uh, I've ever seen where I really do like it. Uh, tight ends. I think this is one of the best tight end classes we've had. Honestly, since I can remember, um, it's a really deep talented tight end class. You don't have a Kyle Pitts in here. You don't have a Brock Bowers, but you're going to get quality tight ends all the way through the fourth round, maybe even the fifth round, given the positional value. And I think the defensive backs are very deep as well. So those are two spots right now, just from viewing. I'm like, oh man, where does this guy projected to go? Fourth? That looks like a middle of the third round, early third round kind of guy to me. So spots to watch out for. Right. And we always talk about being a label. You know, when I was, when I was doing it at Scout, we had stars. We didn't have a secondary rating system where a five-star was like a 9.8 or anything. It was mm -hmm. just a star. That was it. So we, we created it where the top 50 prospects in the country were a label. They, they were five stars. That's it. Like, well, what's that mean? It means they're top 50 in the country. To me, it was a label like a first-round draft pick. Not all first-round draft picks are created equally. 
But once you get drafted in the first round, by God, you've got that label of a first round draft pick. You've got a top five pick, but they are not all created equally. Now, you mentioned the drop off after uh, Jalen Carter and Will Anderson. I, I think you'd agree that part of that is because of how good of prospects those two are. I know last year you were talking that if, if Will Anderson and Jalen Carter were available, they might be the number one and two picks overall. Yep. Yeah, I think they're extremely talented. Um, they are actual blue chippers. Last year, I'm not sure that you. I could say there was a def definitive blue chipper in the class. Maybe uh, Iki Iquanu, uh, given the position or whatnot, but because you hardly ever see offensive tackles go one overall. Um, typically, they're you know 10 to 16 range for those elite guys. Maybe eight to 16, uh, depending on the draft class. But it's a, it's a solid class uh, overall. There's going to be some depth. There's going to be good players. I just don't know after the quarterbacks and those two defensive linemen where this class goes. Uh, yeah. You're still going to have good players available as just a little bit of no man's land. And unfortunately where the Falcons pick, unfortunately, um, I guess not unfortunately, but I guess the, the Seahawks are like right at that cutoff because of the quarterbacks mm -hmm. versus the two elite prospects in this class. And the other one here, I, I have blue, three blue chippers in this class, personally speaking. And one of them is a running back in B. John Robinson. I know that that's going to be a little bit, controversial uh, where he's going to go and whatnot. This will be fun to follow. I know that Dane, not to spoil anything, had him going 31 overall, the last pick in the first round of the Eagles. I love Dane. I would be floored if uh, B. John Robinson falls out, out of the top 25. Uh, I know the tires on the Eagles taking them with their first, first round pick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I mean, like, where does he fit? I mean, yeah, there, you know, when you've got a team, the Eagles are such a luxury on that, you know, that they could take <sighs> the best player available at the running back. Well, Brenner also said that Bijan's a blue chipper as well and pretty much said what I just said. Well, I, I'm i very much a believer in the positional value stuff mm -hmm. and the scouting the traits and whatnot, so I could see why Renner and I have the same opinion. I know that some people really like like Michael Mayer from Notre Dame, and Renner's a big Notre Dame fan if I'm not incorrect, but I don't see the traits there. Uh, for He's a very high-floor prospect, but not elite. Um, and you have a lot of tools with uh, Brian Brisset and Miles Murphy, but I just don't see it. Like last year, I wouldn't, Trevon Walker, an incredible athlete, the height, weight, uh, tools, whatnot. I wouldn't call him blue chip because the tape wasn't enough to call him blue chip. That's kind of where I'm at with Miles Murphy. And no, the, the, the you guys. know, the last two drafts that we've done together, Nick, the 2021 draft was really good at the top. Mm -hmm. You know, that one went 12 deep with guys that were either you're getting your quarterback of the future in theory, you know, there's never a sure thing, Zach Wilson, um, you know, Trey Lance, but you, you, you've got that guy and you're like, okay, we're going after a quarterback that should be in this in this range or you were going to get a really exciting prospect and you could go 12 13 14 deep and most of those guys hit i mean almost every single one of those guys has been a hit from yeah. jamar chase kyle pitts is in there um jc horn devonta smith yeah, it was, a, it was a really fun draft pat sertan uh yeah. it was a really fun draft last year i said all along and, uh, you know, watching the guys contribute early <clears throat> that this draft, that the 2022 draft was deep from 30 to 120. Yeah. you know, the, the second, third, fourth round, there was a lot, especially in the trenches. So we'll see how this shakes out. You know, last year I heard this, that all year, oh, it's a weak draft. It's a weak draft. It's a weak draft. It's weak at the top. It was weak at the top. Mm -hmm. It ended up being a really good draft last year. It ended up being a really good draft last year, but let's get this thing started. Um, up with uh, with the number one pick, Nick uh, Dane wasn't the first one to uh, say that the Colts are going to trade up. Um, what he did do that PFF did not do was he put in the compensation that was there. So he's got the the Colts trading with the Bears, swapping one and four, 
And then the Bears get their second round pick. So that's number 35 and a 2024 first round pick. So two firsts and a second to move up. And they have them taking Bryce Young from Alabama. I think it's certainly Bryce Young should go number one overall in this draft class, uh, given the quarterback position. I don't know if it's going to be a slam dunk, though, that a team that the Bears want to trade with is going to want to come up for Bryce Young, because we don't know what the parameters of how the Colts or the Seahawks or the Panthers, et cetera, et cetera, are going to value these quarterbacks. Bryce Young, for as calm, collected, magnificent he is, smooth, um, getting the ball out, you know, throwing off different angles, is going to be a massive outlier in terms of his size. Uh, He's listed Mm -hmm. at, what, 5'11", 6 foot, 190 pounds. We'll see what he actually comes in at. I'm guessing he's going to pack on the weight for the combine and then not do any of the running. And then you'll see him uh, slim down and then run at the pro day or something like that. Just a classic, you know, I'm a small man, but don't tell me I'm small uh, situation in that one. But he's going to be an outlier, I think. And mock draftable, which does a phenomenal job aggregating uh, combine data. I think when I added up all the quarterbacks or they have an uh, aggregate of all the quarterbacks at the combine since 1999, there have been, I think, 700 quarterbacks weighed. Only three of them weighed under 195 pounds. Three out of like 720 or something, which is yeah. a significant sample size. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a big number. Um, I would say that the game has changed enough over the, even the past five years with the quarterback protection that I'm not as worried about it, where I want the guy who can make quick decisions and make the throws. But again, you're still not talking about when, when you're looking in the top 10, you're looking for traits. And, and I think that's where you can really miss on quarterbacks sometimes. You know, Zach Wilson, and, you know, I don't mean to bag on him again, but, you know, Zach Wilson's bigger, stronger, stronger arm. He's nowhere near the quarterback Bryce Young is. I mean, it's it's not even close. Um, but but Zach Wilson goes second overall. That said, <clears throat> I mentioned Lance Zerline. There's a uh, an article on uh, uh, Horseshoe Huddle, the, the Fan Nation site on Sports Illustrated, um, that Zerline said that the one player they ro- probably wouldn't take is Bryce Young because GM Ball- Chris Ballard doesn't want a small doesn't want small players. I think uh, CJ Stroud has played his way into number one contention, and then uh, Brugler has Will Levis going number two overall. So I agree with you. I think that um, I think that um, it's not a slam dunk that it's going to be Bryce Young. And what's interesting about Levis is, you know, he acknowledges that this year was a little bit of a disappointment for him. And he kind of helps throw Rich Scangarillo under the bus. Had a new play caller, new offensive coordinator who was fired at the end of the year. Um, So that may be an excuse. It may be reasoning, but he's got the tools. I'm on the, I'm on the CJ Stroud train, man. That's who that might be. If I'm not going Bryce Young, I'm probably going CJ Stroud. Number one. Yeah, I think you're correct. Uh, I was really impressed with Bill Levis in the bowl game two seasons ago uh, when they took on Iowa, showing the arm talent. And uh, Kentucky was really devoid of talent at the offensive line and pass catcher um, this season compared to the 2021 season. So I am willing to give him a little bit of slack. Uh, the tools are there. I'm a little bit worried he's a more turnover prone, uh, but I think he's a fine quarterback prospect. I would agree with you, uh, CJ Stroud over him, but I think Levis is a, a fine quarterback prospect. Also, I'm super intrigued by Anthony Richardson, uh, who's mm-hmm. probably one of the most toolsy quarterbacks uh, out there. High too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> it won't take us long to get to him. No, so it's I think it's a it's a solid quarterback class at the top. 
Uh, but because of NIL, um, the depth of this quarterback class is atrocious. Uh, after those first four, it falls off. It falls off a cliff. Um, I'm actually a little bit worried for the practices out there at the Senior Bowl for you, uh, given the quarterback talent that's going to. Yeah, be it's, it's tough. They, I think, I think Max Dugan is going to be out there from TCU. I just saw. Um, yeah. We'll see. See how he can do. It was good last year. Uh, some good, some good throwers last year, but we'll see. I also. I like watching the trenches. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's where they where they go, go, get to go one on ones and seven be, and and you know close quarter combat. I, I do like watching the trenches, and I do think that's where you can get really good value out of the Senior Bowl is in there because the older guys, skill players are born, linemen are built. It takes a little bit longer for the linemen to really mature. You know, it's a grown man's game in the trenches where. Yeah. A 17 year old could still be running four threes and 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 have you know quick twitch and catch a ball but that's why all the these cornerbacks and wide receivers are from these blue blood programs and you got offensive linemen from wisconsin whitewater right. and north dakota state right. and yep. mm -hmm. yeah. yeah exactly like i said I, i've said that a long time that skill players are born and linemen are built um let's hit on the uh on the uh in the chat again real quick um, Dom comes in, he says, question guys, is it possible for the Broncos to get a left tackle in the draft or any kind of offensive lineman? Sure. It is. Sure. It is. There's going to be guys there. Will you have your pick at the end of the first round though? I mean, if you're taking, I have a hard time with this question because you have to answer another question before you get there. What's going to happen with Garrett Bowles? What are your, what is your long-term plan with Garrett Bowles? And if you are keeping him, then you need to find a tackle who is versatile that can either play guard early on or right tackle. and that, that then you have to ask yourself that question. You have to bring in these offensive linemen and see them run the drills on both sides because some of these offensive linemen you haven't seen play both sides of the line of scrimmage. Uh, a guy who makes sense for the late first round for left tackle teams is Anton Harrison, uh, offensive tackle from Oklahoma. I think Dane has him going in the middle of the second round. Uh, inconsistent with his hands, inconsistent with his just overall technique. I don't think he's the most powerful uh, as well, you know, displacing guys at the point of attack, but he's long, he's smooth. Uh, he, he passes the eye test, um, definitely has the skills to be a pass protector in the NFL from a physical standpoint, but can you play right tackle? I, I don't know. It's not, it's not as easy as, you know, flipping them over in Madden. Uh, the tape's not there for that. So you could find a left tackle. I don't think the depth of the offensive tackle class, uh, specifically ones that you're going to keep at tackle is great after the first three picks. I think there's probably only three offensive linemen in this class. I'd feel comfortable taking in the first round. After that, a lot of day two talent um, that might be better at guard than tackle. So we'll see. Again, uh, I think it's easier to contribute early inside, um, you know, the, the, just because you've got some help in there. Um, and also, you're going against strength on strength. And yeah, you've got big, strong guys in front of you, but you're not, you don't have the variety of players that you have to go against when you're at tackle. You're not having a 240 pound edge rusher. And then, you know, Cam Jordan coming in at 300 pounds, who's going to lift you through the sky. Um, you know, those are the kind of guys you have to deal with when you're a tackle is uh, the, the different types there. Um, Big Al comes in. He says, I'm late. We'll welcome in Big Al. Appreciate you being here. Keith Robbins has joined us too. Um, and uh, Big Al says, what is the Falcons? Maybe it means what if the Falcons take Jordan Addison? Uh, and then we'll get back into, uh, we talk about the Texans. Then we'll go to move on to number three in the Cardinals after this. But what if the Falcons take uh, Jordan Addison? What What are your thoughts on on that pick? Wide receiver out of USC. I think he's a solid wide receiver, a wide receiver too in this class. Uh, really good at getting separation. I think he's your Calvin Ridley kind of mold. Uh, I don't, wouldn't say dynamic athlete in any sort of way, but that's 
if you get open, then you don't have to be, you know, the height, weight, speed freak guy. We've seen that over the last few seasons. However, with how the Falcons are building this team, I think they're looking for height, weight, speed. You know, they're trying to build a basketball team out there that mm-hmm. can beat the absolute hell out of these players. And one of the reasons the Falcons have been so good in the uh, the run game is because when they when the run does get out to the perimeter, those wide receivers are burying people. Uh, the tight ends are out there occupying cornerbacks and safeties. So I don't know about Addison. If you trade down into the 15 to 24 range and he's there, th- that's fine. You think he's going to go higher? Keep going. <laughs> Oh, okay. I mean, that's, that's this class though. Um, I think that's about where, where he's going to, that's where I would evaluate him. I don't think he's the top 10, uh, type of wide receiver. I think he's a very good wide receiver two kind of guy. Uh, but that's just where I personally see him. All these wide receivers have flaws. Um, you wish that there was a Marvin Harrison jr. In this class. Uh, but, uh, we'll see the other one here that first round talent, but you have to do the background check on is uh Keyshawn Boutte, uh, from, uh, LSU who got, kicked out of the program for a sex scandal party thing that they had before the sec championship game, bunch of players dismounted that, that one. We're going to hear more about that as I think time comes out. Maybe we'll wait for Dane Brugler's beast uh, to read what he has to say in that. Uh, Cause I don't want to, you know, point fingers, but there's some weird stuff going on with the LSU in that one. But um, Jordan Addison, former Blitnikoff winner transferred from Pitt to USC Fine player, um, did really well last year. Blitnikoff is the wide receiver award, correct? Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know you won that, especially last year when all those wide receivers were in around. He had a uh, NFL quarterback throwing him the ball on Kenny Pickett, uh, which made a big difference for him at uh, Pitt. But very good. I just don't think he's, you know, no doubt wide receiver one. I don't think he's a uh, super duper dynamic, but he's a good wide receiver two guy, and they'll go probably middle back end of the first round. Big Al, I'm gonna answer this quicker. Too high for me at eight. Um, that's basically what Nick said. Um, watching him makes me want Caleb Williams, not Jordan Addison. Um, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that that's just the way it is. It's like, I'm watching this wide receiver and I'm like, oh man, I want that quarterback. The wide receiver was fine. He, he was okay. Should be a solid pro mm-hmm. too high for me at eight. I'd, I'd look in a different direction back into the first, maybe depending on how he tests, he just, nothing showed to me the, the traits of a first round guy. Uh, when I was watching him, you know, again, you want something that really stands out, whether it's size, speed, quickness, separation, all those things. He was good, but nothing was great, uh, which doesn't scream first round and certainly doesn't scream top 10 um, for me. Moving on to the Arizona Cardinals, <clears throat> they're sitting in a good spot here at number three, especially mm-hmm. if uh, the two teams ahead of them go quarterback. They get to choose either Jalen Carter or Will Anderson. And in this case, they went edge. And I think we've kind of done the same thing a lot of the times, uh, Nick. And uh, they went with Will Anderson with the number three overall pick. Uh, I think they would love. And they're in a really good spot to get one of those two guys right there. Yeah, 100%. I probably would go uh, Will Anderson because Ty should go to the more valuable position, which is edge. No doubt. Just they're, where they're aligned on the field, they're going to be able to make more impact plays. Uh, people kind of get a little bit clouded by what Aaron Donald did. That's Aaron Donald is a unicorn among unicorns uh, for what he did at that position. So Jalen Carter, great player. If they took him, I wouldn't fault them, but I think Will Anderson's probably the way I would go as well. A little bit raw uh, in his technique right now. Um, pretty much has just been winning based on his explosiveness and bend a little bit lighter as well. You know, not one of these behemoth uh, type of edge rushers, but so explosive his play in 2021 was better than 2022 from an output perspective, but mm-hmm. teams were doing everything they possibly could to 
take out Will Anderson from a game plan perspective, uh, double teams, chipping, uh, rolling away from him, uh, sliding, sliding protection towards him or sliding the pocket away from him. You know, it's, it's a, uh, he's a great player, great athlete. I think because of his lack of technical refinement and his pass rush moves, I'm guessing early on, it's not going to come together for him, but I'm thinking year two, year three, once things start to come together from a, you know, skills perspective, then he could explode and be, you know, a perennial 10 sack a year kind of guy with leading, you know, top 10 in the league in pressures. Yeah, he's he's 235 right now. Wouldn't surprise me a bit to see him play in the Von Miller range of 250. You know, he'll yeah. put on the weight in his, in his hips, thighs, legs, all that extra weight you put on his lower body. He'll play at 250 and he's 6'4", so he's got a frame to, to put it on. So I think that's a real good pick and I, I'd be really happy. So Arizona Cardinals take Will Anderson. The Chicago Bears moved down to four uh, and picked up another first round pick and another second round pick out of it. And they do exactly what I said they should do in Dane's mock draft, which is trade down until you have either Will Anderson or Jalen Carter available. Once you only have one of them available, that's where you want to be picking because mm-hmm. you don't want to lose them. You know, again, unless somebody comes and offers you four first round picks or something ridiculous. Yeah. You don't want to lose one of those guys. You want to get your, your mark there and they get to four. They get another first, another second, and they get Jalen Carter. How the freaking Louie Chicago Bears. Yeah. I mean, what a win for them. I know this team needs a lot of offensive help, but their defense, um, I know you know how much I love the you know, EPA per play and looking at the outputs on that. The graph had to like expand so far to fit the Bears defense in the second half of the season. They were atrocious. I mean, they made Mike White look like freaking Tom Brady out there and another third string quarterback as well. I mean, this horrible defense. They need help after trading Roquan Smith, after trading Robert Quinn, and they're going to have avenues besides the first pick uh, to improve and help around Justin Fields. I mean, they have like more twice the cap space as any other team in football or something this offseason. I mean, it's insane. So getting a blue chip player in this class, trading down and still getting one of the top two in this class is a great get for the Bears. The thing that's going to be interesting here is we're going to see this Colts Bears uh, trade mocked, I think, continuously. What if the Colts like Will Levis at quarterback one and they feel like they don't need to trade up to one to get him? Uh, Maybe they do. That's the whole thing. Is there yeah. to me, there's not a consensus in number one. And you want to be talking up all three of these guys. If you're, you know, if you're sitting in the one and two spot, it makes those picks more valuable. Yeah. Um, so I don't think we're going to hear that a consensus has been formed. I, I, for me, it'd be young or Stroud. And I could go either way on that. I really could. I wouldn't mind sitting at number two. Then I don't have to make a decision. Yeah. <laughs> the decision's been, unless, unless they take Will Levis number one, I'm like, damn. Um, yep. I just, I, I have trouble seeing Levis going that high, but you never know. Again, we've seen There's a lot of talk about get, it. You've seen quarterbacks with tools yeah. get reached for throughout the eternity of the history of this draft. Um, I love where the Bears are sitting on this. I do. Coming out of Jalen Carter, you build right in the middle of your defense. And if anybody knows about the strength of the middle of the defense, it's the Chicago Bears. Even though, you know, they're more typically known for uh, middle linebackers and inside linebackers, you're still talking about building the spine of your defense. Defensive tackle, nose guard, inside linebacker, safety. And you got a piece right there in the middle that should be elite elite oh and by the way you got a second and first also my goodness oh i mean and i got a hundred something million dollars and you know people say you know but the bears are terrible i'm like well if you've got a hundred plus million dollars in salary cap you don't have talent yeah 
of course, they're set up to rebuild. And this is a piece that will help them. They already got, they think they got their quarterback. Um, I agree with them. I'd still go with Justin Fields. Now you've got these building pieces and money to go and move forward. Whew, it's it's, it's going to be fun if they if they do it right and they they get it right. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch the ascendancy of the Chicago Bears for for the Bears fans. Yeah, they got to be kicking themselves for trading for Chase Claypool, which ends up being the thirty second overall pick. Uh, granted, I think they make that pick because they're not super enthused by the uh, wide receiver draft class, uh, but. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out. And the one final thing I'll talk about the Bears here, uh, their scheme. They really do want a three-tech uh, that can cause a lot of ha- havoc <clears throat> Excuse me, in Matt Eberflus's defense. They tried to sign Larry Ogunjobi, I think, a few times this offseason and kept failing physical. So they were looking to spend some money on a uh, three-technique type. Just didn't work out for them. So Jalen Carter, he's not just a three-technique. He can play across the line, uh, five, four, I, three. But uh, getting that type of interior pass rusher, would be great for them. I mean, you're talking about, again, Matt Eberflus's defense. That's a team that traded for DeForest Buckner, traded a mid-first-round pick with that Colts to bring in DeForest Buckner to get what they needed there on that defense. So it's a very valuable position in that scheme. And Jalen Carter, I mean, not only fits the scheme, but the talent position as well. I, I think he fits any scheme. I honestly think yeah. you can oh, yeah. move him out to end, you know, in a, in a th- at minimum in a 3-4, but depending on how you wanted to, you know, a strong side end and just lock down, Two guys, you could play him at a defensive end in a four three. He's that athletic. Yeah. He's just he's the guy. Uh, he looks like Chris Chris Jones. I think he's a Chris yeah. Jones club. The, the more I talk about him, the more I think, you know, I'd rather have him than Will Anderson. Uh it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a good debate. And I think the Cardinals that are in the bear and the Bears are in a good spot if they get to choose between those guys. But the Bears come out of this thing smelling like roses. Mm-hmm. Uh before we move to the Panthers at five, yes, I did say the Panthers at five. Um, Jamal comes in, he says, good morning, Scott and Nick and everyone in the chat. That's all y'all. Good morning, Jamal. Uh, question, Nick, how come every time the Falcons try to interview one of the Broncos coaches, the Broncos always block them from interviewing? I don't know about the ones in the past. Um, but, uh, as far as your Evero, the Broncos are interested in keeping him, uh, no doubt. I don't think you can trade compensation for a coordinator. So that changes things a tad, but the Broncos are interested in keeping him. And also the other thing here is maybe a negative effect of this uh, new compensatory process. But if you hold on to a quarterback or excuse me, quarterback, a coach for two years, a minority coach for two years, and then they leave for a new opportunity, you get compensatory selections back. Like we just saw the 49ers player uh, pro personnel director um, in the front office, minority candidate go to Tennessee to not be their GM. 49ers are going to get comp picks back for that. And those are valuable to get. Um, So Evero has only been in Denver for one year. Probably want to keep him. Also, I think they want to give the whoever's hired as the head coach a chance to say yay or nay on Evero as well. So uh, we'll see if you, I mean, I guess I was going to say if you're that interested in him and interview him for a head coach and maybe he becomes available for a defensive coordinator like we've seen. I think he's interviewed for every single head coaching opening this cycle. It's a, it's a, in, in Jamal, it's a lateral move, so they can block him. So yeah. if, uh, if if they wanted to interview him, if they had a head coaching opening, they couldn't block him. They could bring him in for a, a head coach. Now, um, reading ESPN Insider this morning, Jeremy Fowler and Don Graziano, uh, they pointed out the Saints can't block their guys because they're co-defensive coordinators and they don't call the place. So they're, a defensive coordinator position would be seen as a promotion. So they can't block their guys. The Panthers... Uh, they're not blocking theirs because they're not sure what they're going to do. Um, 
So they're a little more open about it as far as the, with uh, with their defensive coordinator. They must uh, have changed Evero the rules. Is a, a red hot candidate right now. And the Broncos are saying, if you're not interviewing for a head coach where we can't stop him, then you're not interviewing at all. Um, moving on to number five and Dane Brugler's of the athletics uh, mock draft. This to me is one of the more interesting uh, selections that he makes, Nick. Um, mm -hmm. He's got the Carolina Panthers trading up to number five from nine with the Seattle Seahawks to get the former Denver Broncos pick. Yeah, that's a mouthful. And taking quarterback C.J. Stroud. Um, I think, and to give it up, they give up their uh, ninth pick, obviously. So they, the uh, Seahawks move from five to nine. And then they give up uh, their 93. So that'd be a third rounder, I guess. Third round pick, late third round pick. And then a 2024 first round pick. That's a lot to move up. However, if you're getting CJ Stroud out of it, I think that's a decent move. That'd be fairly similar to what uh, the Giants got from the Bears for Justin Fields. Somewhere, yeah. you know, fairly close in there. Justin ended up going a little bit later, but it was a first round swapping places and next year's first. So it's similar. So not too much to pay for the right quarterback. I, I think this is a move the Panthers should make if it's available. The question is, should the Seahawks make this move? That's where I start coming in question. When we did this a couple of weeks ago before the playoff game, we were pretty much said, yeah, I, I'd roll one more year with Geno. Now, I'm not so sure the Seahawks are that comfortable doing that. And if they've got C.J. Stroud looking them in the face at five, I don't know that they're trading out of that spot, Nick. They're going to put in the evaluation on these guys and have to weigh the value of selecting that quarterback versus the value of trading for a guy uh, or trading back. So it's definitely going to be an interesting process with the Seahawks. I think they would love to have Geno Smith back. Uh, if not, you know, they could bring a guy in. I don't, the thing that makes this complicated is an ideal situation. They signed Geno Smith to a two-year contract and they still draft the quarterback. Is Geno Smith going to be interested in all in signing that two-year contract? And then knowing that probably means they are very much in the quarterback market. I don't know. Uh, maybe this is a team that's looking to bring in a Jacoby Brissett uh, for a two-year contract and then dr uh, drafting a quarterback as well. But I think, yeah, Seahawks are in a good spot uh, overall. This is a team that overachieved this season record-wise. You could see the talent disparity, especially on that defense uh, versus the 49ers out there. That seven seed definitely watered down the, uh, the talent level in the playoffs in this two to seven matchup. But they're going to have to, it's going to be a very interesting conversation. Right now, if I was in the Seahawks position, I'd probably take the quarterback here. Uh, I don't know if you're going to be picking in the top five again. Don't know if the quarterback the depth of the top of the class is uh, going to be as good next season. Uh, I think right now you have two quarterbacks that are no doubt uh, kind of guys as no doubt as you possibly can be trying to predict the future. But after that, I mean, Quinn Ewers, JJ McCarthy, question marks with those guys, very young, talented, but maybe not coming together totally just yet. So I would take the quarterback. I'd probably take CJ Stroud unless I was blown away. I, uh, I probably would too. Um, you know, unless, you know, the Seahawks have their own. Uh, no, I don't think Anthony, I don't think they'd have a shot at Anthony Richardson unless they ended up pairing a couple together. Uh, well, if they went back to nine, they probably would. So, you know, maybe you go back to nine and take Anthony Richardson. For the record, I'd be real hard pressed if I'm the Seattle Seahawks to trade out of that five spot if CJ Stroud's on the board. Really hard pressed to do it. Um, Number six, let's uh, let's hit the chat again real quick. I like to do that every so often. Um, Kevin Mapp coming in. If we didn't say good morning, want to make sure we say good morning to our Southern Miss Golden Eagle. Good morning. How are you? 
And Greg has a question as we get to eight. Let's sit on this when we when we get to eight. Um, well, we can we can address it now. Actually, can the Falcons trade down to twelve and still get Tyree Wilson? Will he even be there at eight? That's a risk. Um, my guess is he will be there at eight, especially if these quarterbacks are going. You have three quarterbacks going in the top five. You got a pretty good chance at Tyree Wilson. At 12, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough depending on the measurables and all that type of things. We've seen guys that we were talking about in the top 10. We were we were mocking around this time George Karloftis uh, being mm-hmm. available to the Falcons at eight, and he lasted to the back end of the first. Probably should have gone much higher. I think the original evaluation was probably pretty good. He had a good season for the Chiefs this year. Um, so it's tough to tell right now. I would say that would be a tough pull if things were if- to be right now, but they're not. The pro days, combines, interviews – background searches, all that stuff hasn't really started hitting yet. Nick, what do you if, think? If you like him enough and he's your guy at eight, you should take him take him at eight. Um, 12 versus eight is not a big difference. It's a big difference between like one and four in the draft. Uh, so if he's your guy at eight, take him at eight, unless somebody blows you away in that trade offer to come up. And also, who's what's somebody trading up for from 12? I don't even know who's picking at 12. So I guess it's certainly possible he could be there at 12, uh, but given how this class is shaping up, I think you're risking it at 12. So you, if he's from a pool of guys, you'd be interested. In, let's say you love Christian Gonzalez. You love Devon Witherspoon. You're interested in Brian Brisset there. You think one of these offensive line would be a good get there. Sure. Uh, trade back. But if he's your guy, probably got to take him there. Good morning, Chase coming in on YouTube. Appreciate you uh, supporting us this morning. And Mike Woodward coming in on YouTube as well. Says good morning, Nick and Scott. Uh, appreciate you being here as well. And Kevin says, I don't, I don't like Richardson. It's funny, you hear the same thing about Levis. Like, SEC folks down here in Atlanta, they're like, wait a minute, Richardson and Levis are being talked about in the first round? Like, Levis is being talked about as, like, the one overall, and they're like, what? You know, doing a little John impression. Um, They they can't believe it. Um, So, again, oh, man, that's risky. You know, and trading up for a guy like that is super risky. If I'm trading up, it's risky. It, It is. Um, I would love Richardson middle first and beyond. Um, or if you're one of these teams like the Philadelphia Eagles, they're not going to do it, obviously, but you're really good and you got an extra pick because you fleece somebody earlier, <laughs> you know, then you can take a luxury pick like that. And we'll get to the Eagles here before we close. Um, Dave Glassman coming in says, getting my Nick and Scott picks. Appreciate you, Dave. Welcome in. Um, and here's a good question from Ryan Adonis. He says, do you think Will Levis is the next Josh Allen? Is that, is that the comparison people are making? Let me read you his notes again from Dane Brugler's mock draft on the athletic. Dane does outstanding work, highly recommended. But when talking about Levis, um, let's see, he talked about a new play caller. Yeah. Who got fired Scangarello very near and dear to the hearts of Denver Broncos. Regardless, the traits, both physical and mental, are impressive and will lead several NFL to believe, teams to believe he is QB1 in this class. So how does he interview? You know, when, it, when they go through chalk talk sessions with him, how does he throw? He could look great. He, he could be that guy. And turnovers, Nick, I feel like turnovers are higher the worst team you're on because you try and do too much. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, you've heard me say this before. I always called Jay Cutler the dumbest smart guy I ever scouted. At first, I blamed he's at Vanderbilt and he's trying to do too much. Turns out that's just who he was. He tried to uh, rely on that that howitzer arm of his God, too arm. often and force things at any level. 
and he never really broke that habit. But this is a, a good question. Can can Levis run like Josh Allen? You know, is he or is he just, you know, similar size arm strength? I don't think he's similar size, similar athlete, similar arm strength. I mean, Josh Allen is <laughs> no. number one number one in the NFL and all those things. Uh, not maybe not the most athletic. You put Lamar Jackson's speed in Josh Allen and we're <laughs> breaking yeah, the it's, sound it's, barrier. It's a different but, type of athlete. You know, yes. you're you know if I'm if I'm running an Oklahoma drill, I'm gonna take Josh Allen over Lamar Jackson. He's got 40 pounds on him. Yeah, maybe um, 50. But it's a it's a different type of athleticism. Yeah. Yeah, so Will Levis, I think the the comp that I've heard that I like a good bit is uh, Matt Stafford um, in terms of the arm talent and the movement Matt skills. Stafford's he, arm is fantastic. He's one of the best I've ever seen. It's good. It's really good. I think Josh okay. Allen's even better um, as far as – so I, comparing it to Josh Allen I think is unfair. Um, so it's it's a step below that, but it's really good. Uh, I also really think he's a, a playmaker. I mean, again, how much are you putting weight on bowl games at this point in the uh, NFL draft cycle given how many players sit out? But – Go back and watch the, oh God, what bowl was it? Whatever the bowl, Iowa played, yeah, whatever <laughs> bowl it was that Iowa played Kentucky in, in uh, not this past season, but the one before that, where Will, mm-hmm. Will Levis hooked up with Wandale Robinson multiple times. And you have Will Levis out there like running around guys, running through guys, hitting amazing throws against Iowa's defense, which I think well, the last two years has allowed the fewest points per game of any defense in football. Now, part of that's because of the Big Ten West. I digress though, but. Watching that one, I was like, okay, this guy's an NFL quarterback. And then when I started to hear the conversation about it this offseason, I'm like, yeah, I'm not surprised at all <laughs> because I just watched him do NFL play after NFL play. This season watching him, banged up. He also, I think he broke his finger on his throwing hand um, as well. There's a picture of him with his finger, like making a 90-degree angle, <laughs> which is not great. Uh, but, yeah, he's. Uh, I, I think that on the surface, people like discount him, but I think a lot of it is due to the talent around him my biggest concern again, though, is the he's a little bit careless with the football um, mm-hmm. from time to time, and turnovers are a pretty not a total non-negotiable. Again, talking about Allen, uh, here's a lot of turnovers there, but you got to protect the damn football, especially in today's NFL. It's not like football yeah. 20 years ago where you're turning it over left and right. Teams yeah, that 15 uh, to 20 interceptions was fairly normal, you know. Yeah. Now, now it's if you're over 10, it's like now ooh. that's going to get you benched. Yeah. So uh, uh, but I think moving on to number six, uh, Nick, we got the Detroit Lions pick. They've got their that that pick from the LA Rams. I'm sure the LA Rams weren't expecting that to be a number six overall when they sent that pick for Matt Stafford. They're okay with it though, I think. Yeah, they you got know. the Super Bowl out of it for <laughs> sure. Um, but still, the Detroit Lions are sitting there going, you know, we had a, we got a pretty we got the Rams pick and it was higher than our pick. What? Yeah. <laughs> um, but that you mentioned the drop off. You think there is at the position players after the big two of Jalen Carter and Will Anderson, and this is where the next position player goes off the board and it's uh cornerback Christian Gonzalez. So I know you've been high on uh, with, uh, with the Detroit lions. What, what are your thoughts on that pick? Uh, I really like Christian Gonzalez. I think in most draft classes, you're talking about a middle of the first round guy. I don't see the dominating, you know, wide cornerback one, follow the wide receiver one across the field kind of guy. Yeah, he's not the most physical uh, player, but my God, he is smooth and he's twitched up and he's got good length uh, transferred from Colorado to Oregon this past year and just looked like he belonged. Um, obviously you could see, I watched some Colorado football. I got to see you hat behind me, but they've been a pit of misery um, for a bit now before the pre Dion days, but Gonzalez transfer transfers to Oregon looks damn good. Uh, probably the, the best combination of size and fluidity of any of the cornerbacks in this class. And I think he's a massive juxtaposition to somebody like a Keely Ringo, who's super explosive, super yoked up, 
but it just like his ankles are or his uh, f- flexibility is completely not at all. Uh, he's asking to play horizontally. Can't do it. He's a very much north and south kind of guy. Um, doesn't have the recovery speed. So I like uh, Christian Gonzalez a lot. Again, not a, this isn't you're not getting Patrick Kustertan here. You're not getting Sauce Gardner. You're not getting Derek Stingley. You're not getting J.C. Horn. Uh, but I think you're talking more of like a Caleb Fairley kind of guy or a Greg Newsom. Um, those kind of uh, prospects coming out. Fairley said it would be an upgrade over what Detroit has. I mean, I, I oh, think he'd he'd yeah. probably be the, the the number the the best corner pretty much as soon as he walked on the field. Mm-hmm. And then Detroit has a chance to address some other positions and free you know the other parts of their defensive secondary and free agency maybe later in the draft. Offense looks good in in Detroit. Now let's let's pour some uh, let's pour some resources into that defense. And I think I think Gonzalez would help them a lot. Speaking they of help, have, uh, Jeff Akuda, who's yeah, been up Jeff and down, They have talent there in Detroit. So yeah, he he's he struggled a little bit this year too. But you know the yep. defense struggled kind of on the whole. They got into some shootouts here with the Lions, and that was surprising to some people. Again, Jared Goff played himself into making a lot of money this year you know i i i had mentally already cut him and forgot he had another year on his deal now he's gonna play on that one more than likely uh speaking of cut we go to the las vegas raiders at seven they've got the raiders uh dame brugler with the athletic and his mock that we're going through has him taking paris johnson jr at offensive tackle does this help make up for the big miss they had two years ago uh is this is this fixing that mistake I mean, that's a sunk cost. You know, it is what it is. He burnt that one and blew it into the wind. But uh, Paris Johnson Jr. is my number one offensive lineman in this class uh, in this class with, you know, bells on uh, positional versatility. Played guard last season when they had the God. I, we talked about it earlier. There's an offensive tackle that went to Tennessee, I think, round four uh, that played left tackle there last year. Free air. It was a French name. Free air. Paris okay, St. Well, I, I don't remember. The I, exactly. to look at, I did a depth chart and it was like Paris St. Friere or something. It was a petite string. Friere. Petite Friere. Yeah, that's what I said. It was a French name of sorts. Yes, petite Friere. But uh, yeah, so they he kicked. He played left guard last season. Good there. Had you know the body build of a tackle. Kicks out to left guard and looks very good there. Uh, his hand technique still needs work. I think sometimes he can be a little bit lazy with his uh, his strikes and uh, carries his hands a little bit low. Uh, but first year playing left tackle and you can see the proportioned frame and you can see the movement skill I have you know there's some people in Broncos country that do some good draft work as well and uh, they gave me a list of tackles like okay I think I like this player Darnell Wright over Paris Johnson Jr. and I'm like okay this is you know back in October uh, when we're still starting to get some of these guys here and I put on the tape and it's like I'm I see why you like Darnell Wright with the power and whatnot and the violence that he plays with the movement skills could not be any any further uh one of them moves like a first round tackle the other one moves like a guard slash tackle that you probably see go early mid second round uh in a lot of classes so paris johnson jr a little bit bummed uh because the guy who i would have had as my number one tackle went back in uh olu fashanu i think i nailed the name at penn state penn state's a team to watch for next year i'm really interested in that squad uh but um i think yeah paris johnson jr the one thing that would Make uh, give me questions about Paris Johnson Jr. Is that maybe you're looking for a little bit more of the the floor and even more versatility with a Peter Skaronsky uh, coming out there, who I think is the next pick coming up here. But uh, Paris yeah, Johnson, spoiler Jr., alert, <laughs> just just with the length and the movement skills and the versatility, having played guard, uh, I think top ten, top fifteen pick. Um, not going to compare to the tackle class that was two years ago, where you had Andrew Thomas, Tristan Wirfs, Jedrick Wills, Mackay Becton, who's been injured and because of that falling off, but. 
not not that level of tackle crop this year, uh, but a good, but not Penny Sewell, not Rashawn Slater, but uh, a good tackle tackle prospect. At the Senior Bowl, I've picked out two guys, one I was higher on than the other in the last two years that I thought were sleepers that fell. Um, And Spencer Brown, starting right tackle, Buffalo Bills, and Abraham Lucas, starting right tackle, both started as rookies. And Spencer could win a Super Bowl this year. So I'm, I'm interested to see who becomes that guy this year. Um, they will be there. They're, they they will show up and they will surprise people. Braxton Jones, I think, was the highest rated rookie of all offensive tackles that had enough snaps to qualify. Fourth, fifth round. He was a senior bowl guy too. Can't wait to get the senior bowl. I have to get a nickel every time I say senior bowl. I can donate it to Jim Nagy. Uh, and I, maybe I can do it now because Deanna Henry is coming in with her super chat and supporting our show. Thank you so much, Deanna. Uh, love you for it. Coming in, coming in orange this morning. She's coming in from Alaska. So getting in nice and early uh, out in Alaska. She says, good morning, Nick and Deacon Scott. And this is MHH for life, Denver Broncos fan. Um, we can, uh, I don't know if we'll hit Denver Broncos today, but we will definitely hit Denver Broncos tomorrow for sure uh, on, on some of these things. Uh, Deanna, thank you for the support. And again, just, just a reminder, Super Chats and Facebook stars are the most direct way to help uh, help keep the lights on, keep my forehead nice and shiny, and uh, help to uh, you know to support the cause. And uh, oy boy here, boy Bangley uh, YT YouTube, uh, give us gives us the name. Yeah, it's I knew it was a French one. I couldn't remember couldn't remember his name for sure. Um, thank you, sir. Um, let me see here real quick. Uh, oh, let's. Let's move on to number eight, Atlanta Falcons. Now, this was one of your picks early when we were doing mm-hmm. the Falcons podcast. Turn a strength into a superpower. And yes, you've got needs on defense. I could go edge. I could go uh, cornerback. I could go interior defensive line are probably bigger needs than any position on the offensive line, assuming Caleb McGarry is re-signed. But what is the identity of this team? Where could you use some help? You don't have a permanent solution at left guard, and um, Jake Matthews is getting a little older. So they've got Dame Brugler at the Athletic has the Falcons taking Peter Skaronsky. He says originally I had the Falcons keeping Georgia left tackle Broderick Jones in his home state. He says, but but Skaronsky, that some scouts think he has five position versatility, plug and play. So where he comes in, does he help? Chris Dahlman played well down the stretch, improved, but. I want competition for him. Eli Wilkinson was really good at left guard. Journeyman, former right tackle. I want competition for him. You get Skaronski on there. Now I've got first-round pick, first-round pick, Dolman, first-round pick, first-round pick across my offensive line. And they're all internal. Not former first-round pick of so-and-so who washed out. Uh, could be a it could be an interesting pick, Nick. I know it's one that you have, have talked about a lot. I mean, it's just also where the Falcons are drafting in this draft class. Like if there was a Peter Skaronsky, Paris Johnson caliber edge, in my opinion, which in this one, I wouldn't be, I think Miles Murphy would have a conversation. That fact that Dane has him lower is something to keep your ear to the ground for. Uh, But I think it's a smart spot uh, for the Falcons. And you talked about it already, turning a good unit into a superpower that Mm -hmm. no matter who you line up against, we're going to probably win at the point of attack and be okay at this spot. You mentioned it with left tackle there. Uh, you mentioned it with J- also J.J. Dolman. Um, he's, what, one year left of control after the season? Maybe two, but he's been up and down. Maybe Peter Skronsky's your long-term answer at center uh, there as well. Probably one of the highest floors in the class. Five-positional versatility, as you mentioned. And, Drew Dolman, you know, um, 
Now you got me confused. Drew Dolman's got two years left. It's Drew. Who's JJ Dolman? I don't know. Drew Dolman. This was his second year, first year as a starter. Yes. Um, he was part of the trade with Denver that got Denver Javante Williams. Yeah. Um, the the Broncos, the, the Falcons moved down and took Richie Grant starting safety and Drew Dolman, who was a starting center. The Broncos took Javante Williams. Um, but he's he does have two years left again, years. and okay. um, first year as a starter. He played well down the stretch, but I, I'm not going into the year thinking this is my answer yet, just yet. Yeah, and you're just adding a, a log to the fire. Uh, I think it's definitely a possibility for this team. Another point here uh, is that the teams with the best offensive lines in the NFL that have built them over years have had almost guaranteed good offenses. Uh, we've talked about them a little bit earlier, uh, but the Detroit Lions, Ben Johnson, going back to Detroit for another year, surprising uh, to me, but they've been impressive. I also see that, uh, you know, the Eagles, a team that has you know all this investment in the offensive line, they're killing it with their quarterbacks and their offenses because their offensive lines pretty much are matchup proof. Uh, so I would not be against it. Again, I think cornerback, defensive line, including edge and interior, probably more ideal uh, for you mm-hmm. in the spot, but you're not just manifesting uh, a draft board and having a player that's worth that slot at that position. Uh, you got to evaluate the prospects at hand. And I think that where the Falcons are picking – an offensive lineman to the spot makes some sense. And we didn't even talk about it here. Uh, J- Jake Matthews' contract, by the by the time Peter Skaronsi's contract is up, you'd probably have two or three years of him potentially being a left tackle. What's happening right. with Caleb McGarry at right tackle? Um, if he's a franchise tag, maybe you play Skaronsi one year at guard, and then he kicks over to right tackle. So it's a unit that's very talented, but outside of, uh, gosh, uh, Chris Lindstrom, a unit that could be in flux over the next two seasons. So adding a talent to the draft, uh, adding a talent from the draft would not be the, uh, yeah, it, it makes sense. Them. I think, you know, there, there are several defensive linemen to choose from, including who the Seattle Seahawks take at number nine. Mm-hmm. So you've got Brisset, you've got miles Murphy, you've got Tyree Wilson still on the board. Dane Brugler has the Seahawks with their trade after trading down from the five spot, which we didn't necessarily advocate for, uh, taking Tyree Wilson edge. I know speaking of tools, he's that behemoth, that big edge that you really like. Um, you know, what do you think about that pick for the Seahawks at nine? And, you know, should that have been the Falcons pick at eight? Certainly a possibility. I think Tyree Wilson is super strong, uh, super lengthy, just a massive edge setter. I wish in playing at Texas Tech in the Big 12, the team that's a conference that has not had much defensive line talent drafted early in the NFL draft. They're not going up against a lot of elite uh, offensive linemen either. Tyree Wilson, for as you know, athletic as he is watching him play drove me nuts. Um, probably one of the last guys to react, um, at the snap, uh, compared to his counterparts or his uh, teammates at Texas tech along that line of scrimmage from an edge rusher. I, I don't know, but as far as the Seahawks, we saw them just get obliterated, uh, all pretty much all season against the run more so because of the interior defensive line. But if you have a dominating, you know, play almost two gapping level edge rusher, uh, that can help that unit uh, a lot. So I would get it. Personally, I, th- I still think Miles Murphy would be higher for me because I think he's more of an athletic specimen, which I tend to gravitate to to the uh, defensive line. I think athleticism is a tad overrated for, you know, safety, linebacker, uh, center, interior offensive linemen. But I, I want height, weight, speed freaks uh, that have the measurables along the defensive line. And I think that uh, Miles Murphy has a little bit more than that for me. But uh, yeah, and we got Pope uh, Terry Wilson looks super slow off the line, lacks explosiveness pass. Is that I think it's something he could work on, and I'm going to be looking. That's trainable for, to me. That yeah. that's trainable as far as 
that first step burst might be the thing that you can train the most when you're talking about the, the measurables and it's technique. It's again, there's, I've, I've, I know some trainers personally well, some of the best in the world, and I just watch what they're able to do with some of these guys. And, you know, John, is this a, he's not paying attention type of thing? You know, I mean, is, is, is his reaction time slow? Then that's a problem. Um, but I, I think, I think the, the first step that, you know, how quick are you off the line? I think that's a trainable type of, of uh, trait for me. So I wouldn't be overly worried about that if I liked everything else. And we have data points coming up that'll help us, you know, confirm confirmation bias or like, okay, maybe there is something here with uh, the combine coming up, assuming that he will be healthy and go Uh, 10 yard split in the 40 yard dash. uh, There's now calculating that and the 10 yard split is more valuable to me than the 40 yard dash because now we can actually get that at a uh, valuable space, a more consistent measurement. Uh, The other ones that are looking for explosiveness here, your vertical jump and your broad jump. Those are the for defensive linemen. I think those might even be the most important uh, drills that you're going to have besides that L cone uh, that you see. But uh, we're going to look for some of the, uh, we're going to be able to evaluate some of the God given Twitch uh, that he has with those, with those drills. Yeah, and, and he says, we don't need to train somebody. We need somebody who's ready to go right now. If we pick them at eight. And and for me, it's an off season thing. This is what these guys leave school after their last football game, they leave school and they go to someplace like chip Smith performance systems. And right here in, in Buford uh, Norcross and that's what they do. They're in combine training right now. Um, they're getting ready for their pro days. So to me, that's an off-season thing. So let's see. I want to see some of those measurables. I want to see the L-cone. I want to see the shuttle. I want to see the vertical jump, uh, broad jump, explosiveness numbers. I want to see those when he gets measured in a couple of months. So for me, that's a uh, that's a trainable thing that if it was lacking last season, it's something you can improve from season to season. Um, not necessarily the size, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then, you know, in Braz's strength is a buildable speed, uh, is buildable speed is not. And John agrees. The thing is, is Brad's actually agreeing with me. Your first step is strength. <laughs> that, that, that is strength. Your first step is a power move. Watch the vertical jump and the broad jump. That's where, you know, that's where you'll be able to find out is this first step is this explosion weak or is he just getting off slow because his reaction time isn't there? Two things to watch as we're going through this process. Keep an eye on those things. Number 10, I want to finish with the Philadelphia Eagles here today because we're right at a little, we've already crossed over an hour. Um, I talked about the most interesting team in the draft. Um, and, and in this mock draft, Philly actually fills that gap for me because at 10, we actually talked about at one point, would, would it make any sense to take Bijan Robinson in this spot? Now, the Philadelphia Eagles didn't take running back Bijan Robinson with this spot. They go corner Joey Porter Jr. Dane Brugler of the Athletics says he thinks that James Bradbury is likely to leave. But what's interesting with the last pick, 31 overall, I think with the Eagles get Bijan Robinson. Oh my God, what a luxury pick that would be. Um, yeah. Just look out. We talk about building quarterback-proof offenses. You didn't. You didn't mention the 49ers. You know, and the system they have and the blocking schemes and they have where the quarterbacks then become interchangeable. Now, can they win you a Super Bowl? No, but you can, we'll see. You can win a lot of games with a powerful offensive line and a good quarterback. So we will, we'll see. But the Eagles come out of this with Joey Porter Jr. and Bijan Robinson in the first round. A freaking plus, Nick. Yeah. 
I mean, great pick for them. Joey Porter Jr. probably end up being my number three uh, cornerback. The thing with evaluating these players is some of them, you try to, from where we're standing, we're trying to evaluate detached from scheme. But if you run a very press man heavy scheme, Joey Porter Jr. could be your number one cornerback. I would have no issue with that. But for me, not versatile enough in that. But if you're running very press man, then that's uh, where I'm going. Right now, the Eagles do not play a lot of press man, so I don't know about the scheme fit, but it sounds like their defensive coordinator and Josh Cannon is the lead-in favorite right now for the Houston Texans job. Could be out uh, there and heading off to, uh, I guess, the Gulf. It's the Houston area, close to the Gulf. I don't know my – I've never been to Texas. But um, Joey Porter Jr., obviously, former son of Joey Porter, a longtime pass rusher for the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Long, great and press, very solid at the uh, point of attack, good tackler at the edge. In today's NFL, especially if you're playing a lot of uh, two high safety shells, your cornerbacks, I'm going to pound the table this one, your cornerbacks cannot be plus ones in the run scheme. They have to be able to come down, attack uh, attack the football, attack the ball carrier, take on blocks, shed blocks, and be physical players out in space. Joey Porter Jr. is that. Uh, so good player here. I think you know going top 10, maybe, again, that's a little high. Uh, from what I evaluated him as just in the the years past, years bygone, um, for where a cornerback of his caliber would go. Uh, but good player, I get it, and positional value. And that's something, if we know anything about Howie Roseman, if there's, and that's another reason I think the Eagles, the running back, not sure about that. Uh, but he believes in positional value almost to a crazy level. Uh, defensive line, wide receiver, offensive tackle, and cornerback. Uh, so, and, and we'll John Robinson <clears throat> at 31 counts. Yeah, that that counts to get him to get arguably the best offensive player in this draft at 31. And how and how what Dane says about this, he's like, I can't believe he's still here, but I couldn't find an obvious fit. The Eagles make sense. Yeah. You know, a compliment to Miles Sanders with him in that offense. Good Lord. Look out. No wonder, you know, they're you're having trouble. Steichen might want to stick around a year <laughs> if they're able to do that. Um, to me, that is one of the best drafts. And you got the Bears trading down, and you've got the Eagles uh, getting Bijan in a corner uh, at a top in, 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 in the first round. To me, that is in this mock, you got winners right there. A couple other interesting notes for me um, Brisset falling to the Texans at, uh, at number 12. And then the, the Lions, we talked about the Lions via their first round pick because they projected trade, they trade down or they trade up to come up and get Anthony Richardson. Again, I think that's a good spot for him. 15, playing a year behind Jared Goff, see what you've got. Um, you could end up with a Jordan Love, uh, Aaron Rodgers type of situation there if Jared Goff keeps playing great. On that note, Nick, I think we're going to get out of here. Uh, you can join us tomorrow morning at Broncos for Breakfast on Mile High Huddle on YouTube. So hope to see you then. We will be, we mentioned before, we're going to take this Wednesday show to uh, a an NFL type show, a, a full show where we're hitting on a bunch of different teams in the top storylines. Right now, the top storylines for us is the NFL draft. And uh, we'll be hitting on some of that. We'll also be talking some playoffs, free agency, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, bunch of you coming in we had a good numbers on youtube hit that subscribe button make sure you get that alert so you can find us when we go live uh nick any last thoughts before we get out of here uh no last thoughts i uh, just uh enjoyed th- shout out to dane brugler um for this mock draft uh, he has my guy lucas van ness from iowa going 18 overall to the green bay packers um i was hoping denver would have a chance at him but uh, he just seems to keep climbing up draft boards and uh fun mock draft overall um he also goes into round two um so just for the broncos fans out there uh, I did do the uh, 
a math on the offensive lineman taken because I know everybody's going to be screaming offensive line. And I get it. Uh, you really want the Broncos to add that, add to that room. Um, but uh, he has the likes of, let me find the tweet here, um, tackles taken and the offensive lineman taken. Peter Paris Johnson Jr., 7 overall. Peter Skronsky, 8 overall. Broderick Jones, 11 overall. And then he had uh, Broncos taken Cyrus Torrance, guard from Florida, at 28. Uh, then he had uh, Mock. Uh, Mock is from, he's the tooth front toothless, long red hair, tackle, probably moving to guard, prospect from North Dakota State, fun player. He'll be down there at the Senior Bowl, so you'll hopefully get a chance to meet with him and talk with him and see him, Scott. Uh, going 43 to the Jets. Anton Harrison going 47 to Washington. Uh, Matthew Bergeron, guard slash tackle to Pittsburgh at 49. Uh, Jalen Duncan, tackle slash guard at Maryland, 54 to the Chargers. And then 59, Dewand Jones, uh, Ohio State right tackle, who is a mountain of a man. They're saying he's going to have the longest wingspan ever measured in combine history. We'll see if that comes to fruition, but he is, he's massive. Um, so uh, we'll be fun to see. No Dar Darnell Wright, not the best offensive line class in my opinion, but there are some names to keep in mind here. And I'm excited to see some of these small school guys, you know, a year ago right now, you and I were not talking Braxton Jones or mm -hmm. Matt Lesko or guys like that. And or even uh, Spencer Burford, who's going to be playing right guard this season. Liked him at tackle and guard coming out of UTSA. Some of these small school guys Christian are going to elevate themselves. Christian Watson, and I'm excited for you because there's a Princeton wide receiver that is going to be at the Senior Bowl who is apparently a height, weight, speed freak. And if he's at Princeton, probably a smart cat. I'm going to I'm gonna find out because I've got a, um, one of the players that plays with my son's baseball team, his older brother, uh, is a quarterback at Princeton. So I'll, I'll get some insight on route running catching and stuff because evidently he's a freak of an athlete now let's make sure he can walk and chew gum at the same time on a football field uh should be will be will be fun to watch so i'll get some insight on him but we'll be here all year folks appreciate you being here hit that subscribe button and uh and hit the comments after the fact i may have said some stuff that i didn't mean or need clarification i'm always in my comments uh on on youtube facebook's a little tougher um but it's just youtube youtube.com scott kennedy makes it real easy thank you youtube uh, on that note, we're going to get out of here. You can find us tomorrow on Mile High Huddle, um, Broncos for Breakfast. And we we will be back Monday morning to discuss some playoffs, draft, et cetera, et cetera. Thanks, everybody, for being here. We'll see you next time. Peace.